Hi, and welcome to the Talking Dirty Business Podcast. I'm Margot Prebenda. And I'm Sabina Husseini. We started this podcast with the desire to spill the tea on corporations and all the environmental, social, and governance issues they have. Our episodes are here to help people make more informed decisions, increase public awareness, and just vent on societal issues that blow our minds. Please note that any opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions of any company or organization. And all of our research is based on publicly available information. We're here to direct your attention to certain issues that you may not have thought about before. Building on our discussion in our last episode related to human rights, today we want to continue our discussions on human rights issues, particularly related to women's health and abortions. And recently, the UN Deputy High Commissioner for Human Rights publicly made some really strong statements about U.S. abortion policies, calling them extremist hate and actually torture. And before we get into this kind of public response from a UN deputy high commissioner, I want to talk a little bit about what's been going on in the U.S. as background, because many people have probably seen in the news that this has been a really hot topic and a lot has been going on this year. And in fact, nine states in the U.S. this year have passed very controversial laws related to abortion. Many of these laws have been shocking because um, they're usually banning abortion after a heartbeat is detected. So this is called the fetal heartbeat law, meaning that, you know, once once a baby has a heartbeat, that it's there, a woman is not allowed to have an abortion. And the the main issue with this is that it usually is about around six weeks after pregnancy that you can detect a heartbeat. And in reality, most women don't actually know that they're pregnant by that time. So that's why this law with this level of restriction is controversial because it's essentially banning abortion for most women since most women wouldn't know that they're pregnant. And the other parts of these laws, there's some slight variations across these nine states, but most of them have some other controversial aspects, including the fact that there are no exceptions made for rape and incest, as well as the fact that some of them go really far into criminalizing the act of giving an abortion and receiving an abortion. And for example, some of the states with the most extreme or controversial laws that have been passed include Alabama, which has apparently the most stringent law, meaning that abortion is banned at any stage, um, regardless of whether there's a fetal heartbeat or not. And this has also been extreme because it's criminalizing it to the point that a woman can be put in prison for life, potentially, if she actually goes through with an abortion in this state. And there are a few other states that have similarly controversial clauses, including that doctors can be put in prison for up to 15 years for giving abortions, and they can have their medical licenses revoked. Um, Missouri is a is a controversial state because they've passed this law that would, they're at the point where they're shutting down the last abortion clinic in the entire state. 
So the state wouldn't have any clinics for any circumstances, which um, I mean, even if there is some exception that allows for abortion, there's nowhere to perform it. So it doesn't make any sense. And there are also some states that have passed laws saying that um, the parents need to give written consent for any minors to have an abortion, which again, there are so many reasons that this creates serious issues for a, for a lot of people, including, I mean, what if a child was was raped by a parent? Uh, so there are a lot of complicating factors. And going back to how this is now coming out uh, through a really public statement by the UN Deputy High Commissioner for Human Rights, she this is Kate Gilmore, and she talked about how this is uh, actually a form of gender-based violence against women, denying them health care, um, which is deprivation of a right to health that all humans should have. And she talks about how this is a bit, this is actually, I mean, this is led by extremist groups. And it's really interesting to hear her language on this, because typically when we think of extremist groups, we think of terrorism or something like that. But actually, this is something that... I mean, related to women's health, it's shocking that we're talking about this in a way that's almost how you would describe terrorism. What I also find extremely great and heartening to hear such language around this, because it truly is extremist groups. If we're looking at the heart heartbeat bill, it's not an actual heartbeat from the idea of a cardiovascular way that we think about it. And the science behind it is actually at six weeks, the embryo is forming and will eventually develop into mature systems. But so at that, at that time, so at the time when there's this heart, heartbeat bill, um, there's an immature neurological system and a very immature cardiovascular system. So what it is that you're actually hearing at six weeks is actually electrical pulses that initiate that there is a life that will be formed. However, it is still scientifically deemed unborn human individual. So even at six weeks, what everybody likes to call the heartbeat bill, which uh, paints a very beautiful picture to everyone that has their, their God and, and wants to believe that this is a fully grown human heart and it's beating. It is not that. So there, even the science here is, is unfactual and very interestingly, what what uh, the human rights UN human rights commissioner said is that you're entitled to your own opinion but you're not entitled to your own facts and that is something that should really continue the debate and could should really be the the focus of this this is really science just thrown out of the window and everyone really taking their extremist views their extremist religious views to control women's bodies and that's all that it is yeah, it's really good that you point out the the idea of facts versus the the kind of sensationalization of the the rhetoric around this in the media. And this uh, deputy high commissioner for human rights actually, I think, is explicitly pointing to language used by Trump because he really is able to make this issue sound sound extreme in a way that, uh, 
uh, I guess it's more dramatizing the language. Like, as Sabina said, it's not based on scientific fact, which we know a lot of what Trump says is very much appealing to people's emotions and anger. And he's trying to elicit sympathy for what he is talking about as a child, as though it's a born child. And in fact, there's even an example of him saying incorrectly in a public forum, he talks about the fact that a state or a a politician had suggested that it's possible to execute a baby after it was born alive. So, I mean, by using that kind of language, it really is detracting from the facts, from the scientific basis of this. And by talking about executing a live baby, it's it's really taking away from the devastating impact on a woman's health and a woman's body, which is, I mean, just really unfortunate that this discussion doesn't consider at all the the health of the woman. And beyond that, I mean, it's, there are so many other ironies that I think are even not even discussed. I mean, we talk about making exceptions for incest and rape, but I mean, think about it. These women, especially if it's a younger, if it's a child, an underage, um, a minor, I mean, there's probably a lot of trauma at that stage to even make a decision about going through with an abortion. If you've gone through anything related to rape or incest, I mean, even being able to speak and admit it is something that can take years. And we expect women to, I mean, just to even bring this up as an idea that women you know, we should be able to tell them what to do after they've been through that kind of trauma. I just think is is so disturbing. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I really, I'm, I, I agree. It's really good that Kate Gilmore is standing up and calling this something so clearly connected to gender-based violence, because that really is what it is. And it's so, it can be so devastating for, for so many women and children. And, and beyond that, I mean, there's another irony that has really stuck with me. The idea that a minor is not legally allowed to adopt a child and yet she would not be legally allowed to have an abortion if she were abused, raped, or even just couldn't take care of the child. I mean, think about what this does for our system that if we are forcing pregnancies in situations that are extremely unhealthy, both physically and emotionally and for, for for the parent and the child. I think it's very, this is, uh, this is a topic that is so, I mean, tensions flare, emotions flare. And I think for a lot of women, it goes down to basic right to body autonomy. I don't want some weird ass politician in Alabama to tell me what I can and cannot do with my body. And a male, no less, who probably doesn't even know what a uterus is. And here he is telling me heartbeat bill. You don't even know the science behind it. You don't know anything about the every. I think the idea of having a choice is one of the main things that should be that that should be the factor here. And well put by by Kate Gilmore is that it is clear that it's torture because it's a deprivation to your right to health. This is a reproductive health issue and you should have access to that. Everybody should have access to that. And the be- the most the most interesting thing about this is that this doesn't actually these kinds of laws only 
only inhibit women to have body autonomy and are just not giving women the rights that they deserve and that they have. They, it's not treating women as equals, but it's treating them as the, as the possess, as the possession of these people who have the power and who make the laws. And the interesting thing is, is that the evidence shows that banning abortion, like I said before, doesn't stop women from undergoing terminations, but it just pushes all of these women to go further, spend more money and go to find unsafe methods to do it. So the Guttenmacher Institute estimated that 56 million abortions were performed annually, annually between 2010 and 2014. And of these 56, 25, so almost 50%, 25 million were considered unsafe, putting the lives of poorer women in particular risk. And just like with every law and just like with every policy, there is women who are more disadvantaged than others. And these would be women of color, poorer women, so women that ha don't have an economical advantage, women that live in rural areas do not have as much as education or access to services as, as others would. And of course, like non-able-bodied women. So all of this is, of course, it's not even stopping the abortions. It's not even getting you to have those children that, that God intended us to have. It's actually just putting women who don't have already rights even in more stringent and horrible situations where they have to just put their health in jeopardy to actually have these abortions. It's so true how this is really, I mean, it's, it's just shocking again to see how people living in a different world, like mainly older white men making decisions that are devastating mainly for women in poor countries, in poor societies and with without access to basic health care. I mean, it's just shocking that there's such a disconnect. And this really, really shows that. And the other thing that that Kate Gilmore talked about in her criticism was that the Trump administration has also uh, decided to reinstate a global gag rule, which is denying US government aid to individuals and organizations that perform abortions or even give information about the procedure. And this is globally. So while all these laws or these state laws are coming through in the US, which by the way, they are facing a lot of legal challenges right now. Luckily the American Civil Liberties Union is and Planned Parenthood are, are challenging all of them. So none of the laws yet this year have come into effect. However, they are scheduled to start coming into effect, I believe as early as August. Um, but they're facing legal challenges, which is really good. But this is obviously a, a serious issue in the U.S. But the point is that it's it's having repercussions globally, especially the fact that the U.S. is pulling funding and influencing global policies around this. I mean, it's th this is a larger impact than we can probably even imagine because the U.S. is one of the largest funders in the world of this type of humanitarian humanitarian work. And if we are now suddenly saying that any organization giving information about women's health, if they mention something related to abortion, then the U.S. pulls funding. Think, I mean, I don't even think anyone has calculated the cost of what that would mean for the world, but this is seriously a human rights issue for women globally. And 
as you're mentioning, beyond pulling funding, the, the U.S. is also very heavily influencing rules and uh, policies and resolutions on this. And interestingly, in April of 2019, so in April this year, just a couple of months ago, the U.N. watered down. So by watered down, so this is the, the, the article in The Guardian that talks about the fact that the U.N. watered down rape resolutions to appease the U.S.'s hardline on abortion, on, on abortion stands. And what this means, what is this? So the, there, there was a resolution on combating rape and conflict, but due to opposition from the U.S., there was all language, all language referencing the text to sexual and reproductive health was excluded from this resolution. So this is a resolution on rape during conflict. And because of the U.S.'s hardline policies on abortion, they opposed very, very adamantly to remove anything related to reproductive health of women in conflict zones where rape is used as, as a tool of war. And so the vote was actually carried 13 votes in favor. And so the UK actually spoke about it. But interestingly, the UK backed this resolution, but expressed regret on the omission of reproductive health care. And they said specifically, we deeply regret the language on services for survivors of sexual violence, recognizing the acute need for those services to include comprehensive reproductive and sexual health care. So not only is it happening in nine states in the U.S., but the country, of course, is, is imposing their power on the U.N. and the funding that they give to the U.N. and also their position in the U.N. system in order to remove words that will make it so much harder for victims of sexual violence at war and at conflict to be able to get the reproductive health rights that they need. And that might include abortions. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that you'll keep informed about this discussion because it's really relevant right now in the media everywhere, and these ongoing legal battles are going to be continuing probably for quite a while, and it's it's not something we can sit back. I mean, the interesting thing about it is it doesn't even matter if you've had an abortion or, or not, or if you want an abortion or not, or if, if you disagree with having an abortion, that is totally fine. The point is that women need to have a choice and no one should be telling them how they should, how they can take care of their bodies. I mean, it's, it's just shocking. We don't, we don't do that to men. And it's amazing that we are still in this day and age in 2019, we're still trying to remind people that a woman has a right to make decisions about her body. I mean, it's crazy, but everyone, everyone has the right to the choice. And that's the point. And I think this, that's why this issue is, is just something that everyone needs to, to be in, be vocal about and really stand up for the rights of women, even when it doesn't feel like it affects us personally. It it affects our society, and it's a really serious issue for human rights around the world. So we'll leave you with that today, and we hope you'll tune in next time and we'll continue talking more about these types of issues.